From their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. And yes, here we are. It is the Boomer and the Babe Show. It is, uh, let's see, it's 11 o'clock here on the in Arizona on the West Coast, and I think that makes it 2 o'clock on the East Coast, uh, where our guest is. Uh, and uh, we invite you, all the listeners, to go to boomerthebabe.com, see everything else that we're involved in beyond this beyond this radio program. And uh, we want to get right into it. We've got a very interesting topic today, something that uh, a lot of people are interested in and knowing more about, and that is... Medicare services and probably touch on possibly some Social Security and so on and so forth with our guest. Uh, our, our guest is um, Elizabeth Hoffman. Harriet. Did I, did I say Elizabeth? I'm sorry, Harriet. I'm <laughs> terribly sorry. Harriet Hoffman. And uh, I'm, I'm amazed that Harriet's with us. Harriet is calling us from New York City, and we were talking about the devastation there uh, before we came on the air, and it, uh, and by what I can tell and her descriptions of it, uh, we have a situation in New York that the newscast does not do it justice. It's absolutely much worse than it looks on television. So we're certainly glad that you are safe, Harriet, and, and with us, and welcome to the Boomer and the Babe Show. Thanks so much, Pete. Thanks for having me, and thanks for being concerned about New York City. <laughs> and I was one of the lucky ones, um, you know, able to keep functioning and didn't suffer losses. Well, that's that's very good. And I understand you have some people that are staying with you that did suffer some losses. I do. I have three and a fourth on the way um, um, who, you know, who have been without power for um, since uh, Monday. My goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do believe that we could probably spend this whole hour talking about that devastation, but uh, I think we're going to have to uh, choose to not do that right now. Uh, because uh, the topic we're going to talk about is Medicare and some Social Security, and if people don't do right uh, by that, they can uh, have a different form of devastation, can't they? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Before we get into that, tell us a little bit about uh, Harriet Hoffman and um, what it uh, was like before you became Harriet Hoffman Medicare and Social Security expert. Uh, What did you do prior? Well, I um I have a background um of I have about tw- had about 20 years experience working both in senior services. So I I had some, you know, basic understanding through that um about the role that Medicare and Social Security pl- play in a person's life. And um but my primary experience um has been in fundraising for not-for-profits and in particular federal fundraising for um, health and, and in spe- specifically for community health centers. So I had become very, very familiar with the, the ins and outs, the lingo and, you know, how to understand rules and regulations that the federal government puts out. And um, I, being part of a community of, of uh, the first wave of boomers, um, started to get a lot of questions um, from friends, uh, first friends, and then friends of friends, and acquaintances, and then friends of acquaintances, people who heard that I, you know, had some understanding of all this and some experience with it. So people started asking me a lot of questions, and ultimately, and I was happy to answer them, and and, um, ultimately I I thought, well, there's a niche here, and being a... um, as you get older, you know, more and more um uh, more and more people are seeing that entrepreneurism looks really good, especially the um you know, the state of with the state of our economy and how difficult it is for people in their 50s, late 50s, early 60s to get jobs. So entrepreneurism looks really good. Um by then I was um, I had started a consulting business doing organizational development and grant writing and, you know, still in the fundraising field. And I decided that there was a niche and I decided to add a new component to my consulting business. So I started Make the Right Choice, your your Medicare and Social Security benefits. And um, 
and I found that it that that there wasn't a lot of competition around, um, except in the not for profit world, which you know provides um, free services to some extent to um, to you know to low income people. But um, but I found that there was a lot of need, and and that people were you know had, had found the whole picture very very confusing. So that's what started all this. The uh, the website Make the Right Choice, of course, is your website with regard to the Social Security and, and Medicare benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- the fact that there is a choice may come as a surprise to a lot of people. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's a case where uh, the choice that I always knew of was either to take it at 62 or wait till 65 or 66 and take it. But you have other choices in Social Security. Many choices, have, yeah. And you have other choices, uh, certainly in Medicare. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the choices, and maybe not necessarily specifically, but just uh, give us the, the, the chapter titles on, on what the choices are, and then maybe we'll have a chance to go back over some of them and discuss okay. them a little more in detail. Well, in terms of Social Security, um you have the option of taking your Social Security benefits any time after age 62 or um, up until you're 70 years old. And um, people have what is known as a full retirement age, um, depending on your date of birth. For some people it was 65, for some it's 66, others who are younger it's 66 and a half um, because they keep upping it as people are living longer. Um, and so if you take your full Social Security, at your full Social Security age, you, you get the straight benefits that, that the government is telling you you've earned. If you take them earlier, you will get less benefit on a monthly basis um, for every month for the rest of your life. And if you wait um and to, to take them any time between your full security age and age 70, um, you um, will gain by a certain percentage. You'll gain uh, the amount of benefit that you can get. So people who are still working have lots of considerations. Um, my very first client was someone who was a working photographer age 63, Um she taught, was teaching photography. She was working as a freelance photographer, so she was earning income. And um, someone told her that she should take her Social Security benefits early because she was complaining about not having enough money. And luckily she came to see me, and I was able to stop her from doing that because it would have been the wrong move for her. If you take it too young and you're working, which is the biggest factor, you're going to lose part of your benefits off the top, um, not to mention the tax implications, which are huge. So similarly, um, you know, as you get older and past full Social Security age, there's all kinds of considerations about when to make the move. Do you Are you retired? Are you still working? Um, do you want to maximize the benefits? Do you need to take them earlier? For couples, there's a million tricks. Um, how to get the maximum for a wife who's you know has very little would get very little in benefits and how to manage that within a couple is there's like eight or ten different kinds of tricks that people don't know about. The, the let, let's go back to uh, taking it at when it's when you're first eligible at age sixty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, now at age sixty two, uh, you can still work. But yeah. you, but you can only earn a set amount of money before it starts affecting that benefit. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Um, you can. There's there's a maximum amount that you can earn, um, and um, in addition to that, I think you can earn. I think it's fourteen thousand dollars now that you can earn before they touch your social security benefit. But after that, your benefit. Um, you can't after that you you lose the rest of your benefit you start losing benefit so it's not worth it to to take it when you're that young because then you're going to be stuck with a smaller amount for the rest of your life so you don't want to do that 
and then there's you know there's also a formula that um that is is very complicated it's you know you get a reduction that's equal to five ninths of one percent multiplied by something thirty six months before full retirement age and you know there's a whole benefit that shows you how much you will lose if you take it to begin with at age sixty two if you were uh, going to get a thousand dollars a month at your full social full retirement age of sixty six for example you and you take it at sixty two even if you're not working you'll get seven hundred and fifty dollars instead of a thousand okay all right uh so but at the at the back end i mean you're going to get that seven hundred and fifty dollars for until the day you die exactly uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, now the question unless you're unless you're working you will lose part of it until you stop working right well assuming assuming that you're making um within the requ- within the uh the limits mm-hmm. as far as what you can make yeah. and whatever and whatever that social security benefit is you get the full benefit benefit for that age age mm-hmm. 62 and it that goes from now from then until the day you die absolutely uh, yeah now so so what happens uh, at, at what point, or is there a point at which um, you you you're at the break-even point? In other words, if I if I'd waited till seventy, I would be getting it at a high, at a at a larger benefit than if I was an individual that took it at sixty-two. But mm-hmm. at what point is there a point at which it's all equal, and I, I'm working on my own stuff there? That's the million-dollar question, Pete, because you don't know how long you're going to live. You know, if you live until you're 80, um, you probably, you know, you probably would would be best off if you took it at 62, 63, 66, whatever. But if you live to be 95, then that makes a difference too. How how long are you going to need this money? And it also it, it also depends what else you have. You know, I have clients who consulting clients who have um, they have other kinds of benefits. They have retirement benefits from they were teachers, and they have pension benefits coming in, and they have um, you know health care benefits for the rest of their lives. And for people like that, it um, you know it. Doesn't it, it's not to their advantage to wait to get the maximum amount of money. But if you're going to be counting on your Social Security and maybe you have a little savings but you're counting on your Social Security, you probably want to wait to get the maximum amount so that you'll have the most coming in um, for as long as possible. But then, you know, then this is what makes it all so complicated and there's no formula. It's very, very individual with each person. Um, you know, I know many people who have lost their jobs, at, you know, in their early 60s, and for them, you know, a 750 or a thousand dollar or whatever they were going to get, 1200 at age 62 was a was a saving grace. Right, right. Because there are people that needed that. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, it's because of Social Security and Medicare, I I think it's really important to say this. Um. Seniors, and by seniors I mean, you know, anybody eligible for these kinds of benefits, um, are less likely to be living in poverty now than any other age group. And the reason is Medicare, and in particular Medicare, and also Social Security. Um, I, I I'm eligible for Medicare. I I get my Medicare, and I and I do know for fact that uh, because I have had some. Uh, some, a couple of health issues uh, that if, that I had pre, well, I had pre-existing conditions and I was not gonna, I was not able to get insurance. Period. Mm-hmm. That's I could get insurance, but there was no way I was ever going to be able to afford it. And when I did get insurance, all of the things that were going to cause me problems, the pre-existing conditions were were wavered. I mean, they were going to cover it. Mm-hmm. And believe me, if they could have tied anything to those pre-existing conditions, I would have that all the coverage would have been for naught anyhow. Because uh, I do believe that that's the way the health insurance companies work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that being said, 
Along came the pre-existing condition insurance plan in, I guess it was October or November of last year, and I was able to get pre-existing health care coverage via, uh, I don't know if it was part of Obama's... Uh, it was part of the Health Care Reform Act, yeah. Exactly. Okay, That's a so, key provision in it. So anyhow, I was able to get that policy through the federal government. And I paid, I believe it was $400 a month for that at the time when it first came out. I was certainly mm-hmm. one of the first recipients of that and took advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And at $400, that was a bargain, believe me, an absolute really? bargain compared to what I would have had to pay if I had to pay uh, for my own uh, normal health insurance because I, there was no way I was going to be able to pay $3,500, $4,000 a month. I mean, it just wasn't going to happen. So, I mean, I jumped at the chance, took it, and was glad that I did. And then we met, when I became Medicare eligible, all of a sudden now, and that was an 80-20 program, I believe, all of a sudden now that with my schedule, uh, with my supplemental and everything else, I'm 100% covered. I mean mm-hmm. 100%. And I'm sitting here going, what would I ever have done? Mm-hmm. Even at the, 40, uh, the 80-20 plan, uh, with regard to health care, that uh, I, I'd have been, I would have been destroyed because I did mm-hmm. have, I did have a surgery, and I ran up in a in a matter of a week, I ran up one hundred twenty five thousand dollars just like batting an eye. And what was I ever going to do with that? What would I ever have done? And it, it's it's absolutely amazing to me um, that uh, people don't absolutely realize until possibly they're involved in it, what's really going on. Yes, I I I agree. I mean we tend to pay attention to what's in front of us and exactly. and I think what people's experience is that when they um when this happens, um, you know, when all of a sudden you you you're you're being told, okay, now you're eligible for Medicare, for example, then people don't know what to do then they have no idea that there are so many different kinds of options and choices to be made and and that can really affect um you know your well-being for a long time oh absolutely um i and i would have been one of those if i hadn't had the experience of helping my mother choose her programs mm-hmm. uh and what we were going to what she was going to do after my father died when she had options that she could then exercise mm-hmm. uh, through uh, his retirement at Ford Motor Company. So uh, I, I was somewhat aware of various types of plans and so on and so forth and how they work and how they may or may not work. I didn't. I was not an expert at all uh, by by any stretch of the imagination, but I had a little bit more of a working knowledge, enough to know that there was something out there that was going to be able to if I structured it properly, do what I wanted to have done. And that's where this plan A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever comes into effect, correct? Oh, yes. (laughs) Medicare is not called the maze for no reason. (laughs) I mean, as I said, it's, um, you know, I just consider Medicare and Social Security to be the um, among the most important things that you know that this country could be doing for its citizens um but um but Medicare is really a challenge social security is pretty easy compared to medicare um it's a challenge for a lot of people and um and there are all different kinds of situations that people um find themselves in um so so do you do you want me to explain to people? About all the letters and yeah, if you would, I think that'd be great. Sure. I mean, the A B C D and then, the A B C D, and then where does the F come in and all <laughs> and all of that? And, and what and what the heck is the F? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right. And what is this with the F? <laughs> um, well, so Medicare used to be quite simple. What there's we we had or what's known now known as original Medicare. And that is Part A and Part B. Pretty simple. Part A um, covers health care that's provided in hospitals and nursing homes. Nursing homes meaning inpatient care if you're in the hospital and then you go to a nursing home for rehab. It's financed by a payroll tax. Many people don't realize, but every time you get a paycheck, there's a Medicare tax taken out. 
Um, so you're not, you don't pay anything once you're on Medicare. You don't pay anything for Part A. Um, you are required to re- enroll in it when you turn 65, which is really important. The enrollment issues are very, very important. Um, we we should talk about those a bit later on. Um, so that's Part A, and Part A covers, um, as I said, hospitals and all inpatient. Part B, still part of Original Medicare, provides coverage for outpatient, doctor's visits and other kinds of outpatient services. And that's financed through a combination of tax revenues and a a reasonable monthly premium that recipients pay based on income. And the standard premium um, for most people is $99.90 a month. So um, that's pretty straightforward, A and B. Um, However... What Medicare covers with the A and the B is 80%. That's where the 2080 that you referred to comes in. Um, Medicare covers 80% of the cost of your care. And 80% of 100,000 is a lot of money. That's (laughs) $80,000. But then you're responsible for the other 20,000. So let's just leave that, leave leave that thought for a minute. and then we have um, what what some people do, if they're able to, is they'll purchase a what's known as a supplemental plan or a Medigap um, plan. And um, you almost everybody's seen the ads on television, the AARP ad for you know United Healthcare and and um, and getting you know getting a supplemental plan to cover what Medicare doesn't cover. And those are um, expensive for some people. Um, they're usually, I mean, where I live in New York, they do a huge volume so that you can get a, a good plan for um, $250 a month, basically, a supplemental plan. Um, so then you're paying $250 plus your $99 premium, let's say. Um, so then in the 90s, however... Um, Congress voted, um, and this is a very good thing because we, all us boomers and post-boomers, remember the days of um, hearing about the donut hole and how seniors were choosing between um, having um, prescription drugs and food. Right. Um, so, so Congress passed what's known as Part D. Um, and that's the prescription drug benefit. And um, Part D is sold by private insurance companies. And there are many, 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 many versions of them. Um, I'm sure that there are fewer in Arizona, but in New York City, um, insurance companies are are now selling 29 different prescription Medicare prescription drug plans, nine different uh, supplemental plans, um, and now I'm going to talk about Part C, which is Medicare Advantage plans, and there are 42 different ones for sale in New York City. And that's partly what makes this so confusing because um, the period that we're in right now is open enrollment period for people on Medicare, and this is when the insurance companies are doing their promotions and sending mail to everybody's homes and you know, advertising on television and radio, et cetera. Should I be opening that mail? Uh, not if you're happy. Okay, that was my point. A big question I get is, do I have to respond to all the mail I'm getting? <laughs> and no, it's uh, it's people think it's from Medicare, but it's not. It's from private companies. Right. So um, anyway, after about a year after um, Part D was passed, um, Part C became available. And what Part C is is a it's called a Medicare Advantage plan. You have a choice between original Medicare and a Medicare Advantage plan. You cannot have both. What a Medicare Advantage plan is an all-in-one private insurance plan that provides your inpatient, outpatient, and prescription drug coverage through a single, basically it's a managed care plan. Um, The government gives your 
say your $99 to whatever insurance company is managing your plan, and they provide your insurance. And there are the better with the better plans and most of the plans actually, there are no monthly premiums. So all you're paying is $99 a month, and it's kind of a pay-as-you-go. So if you go to a, a doctor, and say your regular primary care doctor, um, you might have a $15 or a $20 copay. Um, you go to a specialist, you might have a $35 copay or a $40 copay, depending on the plan. Um and the rules and the benefits and the costs vary according to the specific plan that you're enrolled in. Um, so you can select an, an in-network HMO, which is your costs are your out-of-pocket costs are less, or a plan that lets you go out of network, and that's called a PPO. And um, a big issue to consider there is, is of course who's in in the network, who's in one of these networks. And and some of them are very, very good, and they're a very good deal for people who don't have a lot of health issues. I always recommend that if people have a lot of health issues, you should take that seriously and maybe um, buy a supplemental plan and go that way. But... um, but the Medicare Advantage plans are, are another way to go, and, and there's a lot of them. And the, all the different companies who are selling them also have Plan 1, Plan 2, Plan Complete, Plan Mosaic. I mean, just uh, Midi Blue, and, you know, they all oh, got gosh. names, and they're all promoting that they're the best one. And it's very, very, very confusing for people. So um, I have I actually am working with a woman who's 88 years old who was when she was 65 someone enrolled her in one of the worst ones of these kinds of plans and because um, Medicare Advantage is not new it just became widely available in the 90s um, during the Bush administration which wanted to bring the insurance company more into the Medicare world. Um, So she was enrolled in this plan, and she just couldn't understand, you know, after 23 years, why she couldn't go to the same doctors that her friends were seeing. And I realized right away that her friends had supplemental plans, which she can't afford. And um, so, but the plan, the Advantage plan that she's in is a terrible one, and I can move her into a really good one that probably will let her see the same doctors. So that's, you know, that's what we're going to do for her, and she'll be really happy. But it's you know it's just so hard to know, and the the promos are very um, you know they're compelling, no copays and five dollar prescriptions and you know all kinds of things like that, which a lot of it's not true. But um, so that that's just a general picture. And then what makes things even more complicated is if you go with the as you do, Pete, if you go with the original Medicare and you have a supplemental plan, then there's different types of different configurations of the supplemental plans that go from A, B, C, D, F, G, H. I think there's an M. They might have just gotten rid of H. <laughs> but um, those also are why, why do you have all these different ones that cover different things when the difference between them is only, you know, might be. 10 or 20 or $30 a month difference. So most people realize that they talk about Plan F, and Plan F really is the best value and the best coverage. So um, I hope that gives you, a, gives you a picture of the craziness of all this. Well, it does. And, and, and when I was, <coughs> excuse me, when I was making my choices, <coughs> excuse me, when I was making my choices, I had the A and B, of course, and then when I was looking around for the supplemental, because uh, I wanted to have a supplemental, um, I, I frankly I looked on the internet. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'll I'll cast my cast my line in here and see what uh, see what I pull up. Hopefully, it's not an old beer can uh, or a boot or something. And I got hold of a supplemental plan F that I, uh, somebody was watching over me. I mean, this this young fellow re- responded to my uh, query, 
and he told me about this Plan F, mm-hmm. and um, it's like a hundred and ten dollars a month for the Plan F, and every penny of everything is covered, and it's amazing to me. A hundred and ten dollars a month for Plan F. Well, you're really that. That's really good because in New York City, Plan F is two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Of course, well, everything costs more here. Well, in Arizona, it was yeah, that's great. Bucks a month, and I just went, and it was that's a, wonderful. It's Mutual of Omaha. I don't care who. I don't mind saying who it is either. It's, mm-hmm. it's the Mutual of Omaha product, and it's and every time I go, I get a blood test. I go to the doctor, whatever it is. I I give them my cards, and they ring it up, and they go boom. You know, nothing. Yeah, nothing. yeah, Zero. that's ter- that's terrific. So I, I yeah. Feel, I feel very, very fortunate, and if I didn't have that, uh, as you indicated, and we, as we were talking about earlier, um, we would be in deep kimchi, no doubt about it. We'd be in very deep kimchi. Um, we're about halfway through here. I want to uh, play a, a couple of uh, little spots, and then uh, we'll come back and we'll talk more about uh, Medicare and, and Social Security. And let's talk about when we come back whether or not you feel they should be privatized. I think that could be an interesting conversation. Okay, great. So we'll have that conversation when we get back in just a couple of minutes. Boomer the Babe are the publishers of Boomer Series Books. Our authors have their own shows on the Boomer the Babe Network. We encourage you to listen. Ron Naraki, author of the forthcoming book, The Ten Commandments of Investing, is the host of Wealth DNA, a financial show about real estate investment. Learn how to build and manage your portfolio. Ron hosts the show, and he always has good information to pass along, as do his guests. Listen to Wealth DNA on the second and fourth Monday of the month at 8 a.m. Arizona time. Tom Liggering's another Boomer Series author. His book, Success or Failure, The Choice is Yours, is the basis of the show he does with his broadcast partner, Dr. Terry Munther. Listen to Success or Failure with Tom and Terry on the fourth Wednesday of every month at 9 a.m. Arizona time. Learn how you can maximize your performance in business and in life. The methods you employ can either help or hinder. The choice is yours. Before you book your next round of golf in Arizona, go see what golfers just like you are saying about the courses you want to play at GolfMix.com. While you're there, write a review of the last course you played and get $10 off your next purchase at Vans Golf Shops and enter into our Greenskeeper of the Year contest for a chance to win a foursome at the home of the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the stadium course at TPC Scottsdale. So check out Golf Mix, Arizona's leading golf course review site and mobile app. What are you waiting for? at golfmix.com. The Boomer and the Babe are proud to be affiliated with Valley View Community Food Bank where the food is always free. Valley View is now serving Phoenix from their new 36,000 square foot location at West Peoria and 107th Avenue in Sun City, Arizona. The new location houses the Food Bank, Feeding Arizona, and the Valley View Thrift Store. Feeding Arizona delivers food to other food banks and food pantries that are in need. If you're looking for a 501c3 to support, go to valleyviewcommunityfoodbank.com. All donations are welcome, be it food, money, or volunteer hours. No donation is too small. Get a hold of Jesse Ramirez, founder and director, and say, I want to help. Valley View Community Food Bank, where the food is always free. And we're back. It is November 2nd, Friday, and it is 2012, and we're talking with an expert in Social Security and Medicare, Ms. Harriet Hoffman, and she's also a developer of the website Make the Right Choice. And Harriet, is it maketherightchoice.com? Is that correct? Well, actually, it's um, it's under my own name. It's www.harriethoffman.com. HarrietHoffman.com. Very and that good. takes you to make the right choice, yes. Very good, very good. We've been talking about Medicare and a little bit about Social Security, and uh, one of the things that I think everybody is, uh, oh, I guess it's safe to say talking about, if not plain arguing and screaming about in this uh, political atmosphere that we find ourselves in, is 
should Medicare and Social Security be privatized? Should it be partially privatized? Uh, what's going on with all of that, and what, is, what are your thoughts, and, and why do you feel the way you do, whatever it might be? I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear them, believe me. I really would. Well, just in, first we'll talk about Medicare, then we'll talk about Social Security. In terms of Medicare, first of all, um, certainly there are, you know, ish, there are, you know, all kinds of issues with, you know, government spending, et cetera, et cetera. However, um, take for example, so for example, so this is a fact. Um, this is one of those fact-checked things. Um, the Medicare system is run far more efficiently than any private insurance systems are run. Um, so, um, so it's not like the government running Medicare is costing, you know, an outlandish amount of money that the insurance companies could do cheaper. Um, and if you just think about it, insurance companies have to make a profit and the government doesn't make a profit. So that stands to reason that it would be less costly. Um, there are all kinds of things that can be done um, to reduce costs. And, and one of the big things is that the insurance lobby has prevented, and, you know, with, with, the, with the acceptance of many of our politicians, um, has prevented the Medicare system from being able to negotiate directly um, with uh, pharmaceutical companies. So I don't know if people know this, that the Veterans Administration for many, many years has nego negotiated its own rates for prescription drugs and, um, and over-the-counter drugs as well. And, um, and has, you know, very, 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 very reduced costs. And that could be the same for Medicare, except that it's a political hot potato because of the insurance lobby and um, they've been unable to accomplish that. And it was one of the things, my understanding is that it was one of the things that um, when they were looking to pass the health care reform legislation, um, they had to give up in order to get it passed. Was it was supposed to be in there, and you know, as part of the negotiation, they gave that up. But that's that's major. There's a huge amount of cost comes from prescription, um, dr the cost of prescription drugs. But um, so, but I just think um, I think that the the current argument. I completely agree with the current argument, um, which is that. If you gave the money um, to the, if if you just gave all the money to the prescription to the, to the insurance companies, and even when if people had a choice of getting a private plan or staying on the government's plan, um, the insurance companies would grab the healthier people, and the government would be taking care of the sickest people, and that wouldn't that doesn't bode well for the healthiness of of Medicare. Um, so, you know, those are just a handful of the issues uh, or, uh, the, that come to my mind and, you know, and that are a reason that I, I think it would be a very, very bad idea. And as I said in the beginning, we have something that's been helping people, you know, helping seniors for many, many, many years, and, and it's run very well. And there's, there's no reason to dismantle it except for, and this is my political opinion, except, you know, for, for the profit of the insurance companies. So I think it, uh, I think it would be a terrible, terrible idea. Um, in terms of, of Social Security, um, I think that, um, I, I think also that Social Security, I think there are some issues because people are living much longer and when Social Security was, was first came into existence, people retired at age 65. There wasn't any issues about, you know, working longer or working less. Everybody re looked forward to retiring at age 65 and people lived for only a few years after that. And most of the people, you know, our age and the and the 
10,000 boomers who are turning 65 every day now, um, we probably never imagined that, you know, we'd be in this position to be collecting Social Security. I certainly never thought I would get that old <laughs> to get Social Security. Um, but um, but it turns out in this in this period of economic decline and, you know, for many people, a, a tremendous amount of anxiety, Social Security is playing... Um, a much, much bigger role in in people's, you know, future well-being, Social Security payments, knowing that you have these, um, is it, it gives people a lot more peace of mind. And I think this would be a terrible time to dismantle Social Security in any way. I, I'm sympathetic to, you know, gradually raising the retirement age as people get healthier and healthier. But um, I think we have to look very, very carefully at how difficult it is in this economic period for, you know, boomers to get jobs and hold on to jobs. Boomers are the first to get laid off, um, to be asked to take early retirement, and then it's impossible to get another job in many cases. And I think this would be a really bad time to put in jeopardy um, a system that, you know, is going to be playing a more and more important role in people's lives. Well, the the people that say, let's go back to Medicare for just a a moment. People that say that Medicare will be bankrupt in eight years or whatever they're saying, I don't know how many years it is, um, what is... What is the answer to that? Is is it a, is it first of all, is it a factual statement? Secondly, how if it is, how can it be avoided? Well, I'm not I'm not an economist, so um, I I believe that you know this is part of the political argument going on back yes. and forth. I think the Republicans yes. are saying, oh, you know, Medicare will be bankrupt, and the Democrats are saying. No, it won't. And one, there, you know, there's things that people don't know about. So, for example, um, when Obama came into office, one of the things that he said he wanted to do with Medicare was was the, the during the Bush administration, they had directed that these insurance companies that were providing Medicare Advantage plans be given not just the premium that a recipient would pay to the Medicare system, but they were paying them a fee that amounted to 14% additional money. So in other words, you paid your, whatever, let's say you paid your $99 into original Medicare and the government you know, provided you with your Part A and Part B and you got your supplement, supplemental plan and you know, I paid my $99 in and I got a Medicare Advantage plan and the government gave 14 uh, gave instead of $99 $113 to the insurance company that was providing this Medicare Advantage plan. So that's a lot of money. So when um Obama came into office, he said we have to cut that out. And the insurance companies went crazy and said, you know, we'll have to make, you know, it'll costs more for people they they'll never sign up for the advantage plans you'll ruin everything um but that actually didn't happen and obama took the money um the savings from giving that 14% multiplied by some millions of people every single month um hence the 719 million dollars exactly and put it into the social secure or the um the um, Medicare trust fund and use part of it to to help close the the donut hole um, and the prescription drug plan, but put most of it into the trust fund. So there it is. And and it increased the life of the trust fund, I understand. And again, I'm not an economist and I don't, you know, I'm not involved in this aspect of things, but I do read everything I can find about Medicare, of course. And... um, and I believe that that the it extended the life of the trust fund as of this moment to until nineteen uh, two thousand twenty four or something. Well, it absolutely amazes me when they can talk to one another and argue uh, about things, and one of them will say water is wet, and the other one will say no, it's not. Mm-hmm. 
uh, someone's lying. Someone's plain flat lying, and I don't know an, an, another way to say it. it this, the, calling them dishonest is is a nice way of saying you're a flippin' liar. Uh, and and I just it just absolutely rankles me when I hear these things, and I just know, and I I'm just a guy. I can't prove it, but I just know it can't be right. It just can't be right. Yeah, and all these things have been fact checked. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, I look at that. I look at the news articles that come out, and you know, um, but I think it's, you know, I think it's very, very unfortunate that this kind of thing has been politicized. Well, it has been politicized, and the people that are going to end up getting the uh, the short end of the stick are going to be us out here that are 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 trying to. Uh, exercise our benefits in the best possible way, and we're the ones that are getting the short end of it. And uh, these guys in Washington, with their special plans and all the rest of that stuff, and their and their pensions for life and all that's uh, just uh, that's another issue. Let's go back to Medicare coverage for a minute here. Um, uh, I have an 89-year-old mother who mm-hmm. is uh, has uh, some dementia issues. Uh, if it follows uh, like my father did, uh, he had uh, Alzheimer's dementia. Uh, he had a, a wound on his leg that he uh, he got by uh, like nicking his leg and it became inflamed and whatever else. And he had to have uh, he went he went in to the hospital. Uh, he had a, no I don't know what you could say. He he just he deteriorated his. His condition deteriorated rather quickly, uh, and then he wasn't walking due to the fact that he had some terribly arthritic knees and so on and so forth. And he went out of the hospital. He went into a care facility where they had a rehab program. And as far as long as he was showing progress in his physical therapy, uh, Medicare would continue to cover it. At the time came when he plateaued, they, we, we, we were told, the family was told, that Medicare will no longer give him that benefit. Mm-hmm. However, because he had because of this wound on his leg that would not heal and he needed to have skilled nursing, he therefore still qualified for Medicare and he had it until he passed. Um is that still the way it is today? And I'm wondering what it looks like for my mother as she goes through her process. I think that's still the way it is. I think what where people run into, um, I mean, when when the issue the issue that you're dealing with is you know medical driven, um, you're still going to get coverage from Medicare. What happens, though, to people is that they say your father didn't need expert um, nursing care anymore, and he and um, and he just plateaued and he went home. But he wasn't able to take care of himself at home. Let's say not just physically, but you know he needed someone to come into the home and look after him. That's where people run into trouble because that's when. Um, you have to start using your own resources as for home care. Right. And, you know, for people who qualify med- for Medicaid, you know, you Medicaid will pay for that to some extent. But for people who don't qualify, that's how people begin using up their resources. Exactly. So that's when you that's when you take the money out of the bank, you take the money mm-hmm. out of Savings yep. and and the investments, and you t- and you end up selling the house and mm-hmm. and whatever else to pay for that, and there is no recourse to that. I mean, that's that's what happens. That is so, what happens. Yes, and, and eventually you spend yourself down to being Medicaid eligible, and right. fine. And finally, uh, guess what? The the person gets to be uh, Medicaid, a Medicaid patient, mm-hmm. and uh, and. All the, all the resources are gone, all the assets are gone, but now they're now getting their care. Yes, they're getting their care, and, you know, and um, in most places um, that care is the same as the person who's paying out of pocket for it. Right, right. Um, is Do you ever foresee, uh, has there ever been any discussions that you've read about 
with regard to uh, Medicare only being uh, eligible for patients in need of skilled nursing, and why why would it be that somebody to take care of them, help them with their daily needs, make sure they get their meds and so on and so forth, even in the home? How how is that that that's not considered skilled nursing? Well, it's not skill. It doesn't take skill. Um, you know, a nurse's aide can do it, or a um, you know a home care aide um, can do that kind of thing. I think what we have to you know I think what we have to worry about is I mean you have to understand that when these systems were when Medicare was put into place, for example, and when it was updated in the nineties. People weren't living this long. We didn't have these issues. Right. And Medicaid was largely for the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't that many people who lived long enough to go into a nursing home. This is a, this is a new phenomenon in the yeah. last, what, 15, 20 years? Yes. And um, so, so I think it would take... Um, you know, a huge transformation of society for for there to be changes there. I think what we do have to worry about is the state of Medicaid um, because um, there's a move um, in the in the, the states manage Medicaid, and there's a move among the states. It's it's New York is now doing a pilot project, which, if they figure it out, it's going to be replicated in every state in the country, ultimately, where they're privatizing Medicaid, and um, it'll Medicaid will become in the same way that the Medicare Advantage plans are run. It's going to be like that. It's going to be run by private insurance companies, and um, and the states will give the money to these private insurance companies and people who work in that field, and I don't. Um, are horrified. Why why is it that I feel there are some definite disadvantages to privatization in these particular instances? Well, because uh, <laughs> you well, know why? I, well, well, I know. I mean, I'm I'm just seeing I'm just seeing profit motive and dollar mm-hmm. signs and, and 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 people getting rich and rich fat cats and 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 services being lessened, uh, it just absolutely it scares the living tar out of me. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. And I don't know what I don't know what we can do about that. I, I don't know if there's any recourse that we as well. You know, I I hate to I hate to think that only a few of us realize that, or maybe it's just. Um, I don't want to get political. I don't want to get political. This, this political, just mentioning it is political. <laughs> political enough. Um, uh, what what do you uh, say when your uh, friends start calling and asking things like, does AARP actually own Medicare plans? <laughs> I say, in a way, they do, <laughs> because they're. They, I mean, it, you know, it's public knowledge. AARP gets a um, a, kick, a kickback for everyone who who uh, enrolls in a United um, insurance plan that has the AARP imprint on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So sure, they uh, do. They're a business. AARP is a business. AARP is a business. Not only that, but a lot of people don't realize that AARP is a lobbying. It's a lobbyist. Big lobby, yeah. And to their credit, they lobby um, on some issues of uh, that that do benefit, um, you know, boomers and seniors. They do, and they they're also they they are about business. They have many business investments. Well, we've had somebody from the National uh, AARP offices on not that long ago, and we were talking about some of the services that this particular uh, person was involved in and the services we were talking about in her area of uh, of work was with regard to all of the senior discounts. and. Mm. And it wasn't senior discounts with regard to insurance. Insurance is off on its own somewhere. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about travel discounts, food, uh, restaurant discounts, uh, airline, dis- you know, all the things that 
that seniors can qualify for as an AARP member, the discounts they qualify for. So that was the, that was the gist of that discussion, and mm. and there are, and mm-hmm. they do bring it they do bring advantages to the 50 plus community. They do, and they you know they also um, I think they bring many advantages. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely, I think they that AARP has helped to make it. Um, um, okay, to get older. <laughs> I think they've done a really good job at that in a society that, you know, prefers people to look young, be young, et cetera. I think AARP has played a very positive role. Well, there's. I think. I think there's a little bit of a backlash to that now. Uh, I think more and more, more and more people, especially when you have some of the Hollywood set uh, admitting to being 50 and letting the hair go back to silver or gray. Mm-hmm. Or whatever yeah. Measure. Yeah, mean, that's I, great. And I, and I saw I saw her on uh, on one of the late night shows last night was Jamie Lee Curtis and she made, that was a big deal yeah when, when Jamie Lee Curtis went went natural uh-huh. uh huh yeah and, and she's a she's a, a, a spunky woman and uh, and she doesn't mind telling people what she thinks mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's kind of nice I'd like to get Great. your com I'd like to get your comments before we uh wrap it up. Uh give me a little comment from you as regards uh the Affordable Care Act or uh as now I guess it's pretty well accepted to call it Obamacare. Uh well, he said he likes it, so he likes he li- Obamacare. If if he likes it I guess uh it's okay. we can call it. Yeah, exactly. So what do you what do you think of it and and how do you think it plays into all of this? Well, I think Obamacare um, did some very specific um, good things for people um, on Medicare. Specifically, um, it um, ultimately will take away the donut hole. Um, For people who might not know what the donut hole is, um, the way that the prescription drug plans are structured up up to uh, up to a certain amount of money um you pay a copay um for uh in the initial they call it the initial um phase you pay a copay for your drugs and um the insurance company pays the rest and it's you know it's kind of like on a 80 20 basis generally speaking um then you enter what is once you once a certain amount of money is spent um you enter what is known as the donut hole, where previously you have had to pay many, 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 many thousands of dollars on your own. Um, And then if you got out of the donut hole, your costs were minimal, you know, $5 or something for a prescription. But the donut hole for people who had a lot of prescriptions was helping them to go broke. So, um, So what... Obamacare did for that was they've already reduced um, the amount of money that people who are in the donut hole have to pay. Um, And every year between now and 2019, um, that number goes up or down, as the case may be, and there will be no donut hole anymore. And um, all prescription drug plans will um, cover, you know, people's needs according to their formularies and their co-pays and that kind of thing. And they're all different and they're all, what they cover is different. And um, But um, that's a very, very good thing because that is one of the things that was, you know, eat or or get your eat prescription or, yeah. filled. Yeah, yeah, yeah eat or cut a, or eat or eat cut or die, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. Eat or have a stroke because you couldn't get your, you know, exactly. blood pressure medication. <laughs> well, what? Well, what I what I found to be the case with my with my prescription uh, uh, coverage um, is there are certain pills that I take that are certainly more expensive than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certainly pills that I take that uh, do not qualify for the various pharmacies that I could use the the Walgreens, the Targets, the Costco's, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. Uh, that are not four dollar prescriptions. And yeah. if and if they are four dollar prescriptions at those pharmacies, I buy them as a four dollar prescription. If they are not a four dollar prescription, then I put them on my on my program. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, that's smart. That's smart to do. Uh, because otherwise, I think, and I, maybe I, I maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but I think if I took that four dollar prescription, <clears throat> excuse me, and put it through the insurance, I'd pay seven dollars for it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the um, it's actually you know uh, sometimes there's a there's usually a standard deductible. Not all plans have it. Usually, you know, it might be three hundred and twenty dollars. After that, you you're basically paying twenty five percent of the cost of your prescription. Um, so you know if it's a four dollar you know if it's a four if if the cost of the whole thing is four dollars great but if it's you know say it's a twelve dollar cost to you then um your then the actual prescription is um uh thirty six the cost is thirty six dollars when when um when they're gonna you know take you up to the initial coverage limit which is $2,930, that's not what you pay. It's what you and the insurance company pays. Right. So okay. it's not hard to get there if you have some expensive drugs that you take. It's sure. not hard at all. And now does, do those drugs include such things as chemotherapy drugs and so on and so forth as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Exactly. So that's my point. And they're point. very – I mean, people who take migraine drugs – yeah. Very, very, very expensive. Right, right. And that that being the point that I mean, it does. You're you're absolutely right. In some certain instances, it doesn't take you long at all to hit that donut hole. Yeah, and I know many people who. Um, I mean, I know I know some people who take who have serious migraine issues, and and um, and only certain drugs will help them. But once they reach the donut hole, which is quickly every year, then they can't afford to get those anymore. Mhm. Mhm. Exactly. And if they don't spend their way through the donut hole, they never get to the back end of it. You have to wait till the end of the year, and most people don't spend their way their their way through the donut hole. Right. Right. Yeah. So there. So therefore, now, whenever they reach that point, they're done. Yeah. And they're back to suffering migraines again because they exactly. can't afford they can't afford to pay their way through the donut hole to get to the mm-hmm. other end where they're having the minimal the minimal Yeah, term. you don't get out till you've spent $4,700. Exactly. Exactly. And and you know, so what's really good about Obamacare is the that they've imposed discounts like right now um the discount on covered brand name drugs is 50% while you're in the donut hole. That's an enormous change. Yes. So um so you're going to stay in the donut hole for a long time, but you're not paying as much as you had to pay before. You're not paying 100%. And and it'll, when it's gone, um, that'll change things for many, many people. Yes. So that's a very good thing. Um, I mean, getting rid of the pre-existing condition um, situation has helped you know, millions and millions and millions of people to get health care, health coverage, as you, you know, describe for yourself, um, having in this period when, um, you know, people come out of school and they can't get jobs, being able to keep your children on your, your own health insurance policy until they're 26, that's a wonderful thing. Before that, we had lots and lots of young people with no health coverage. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I said this is an amazing topic, and uh, you are the right person to have on to talk about it. I can see that right now. I'm, I'm glad that we could make the connection, and I'm glad that you were uh, able to come on today, Harriet. It's been thank a, you so much. It's been thank a pleasure. You, I want to. I want my give, pleasure. <laughs> uh, I want to give you uh, an opportunity to to give what we call is your shameless self promotion. Uh, so tell anybody and everybody that's uh, ever going to listen to this program and the archives are live now how they can get hold of you uh, if they have any questions or for any of your services. Well, thank you, thank you for that. Let me give you my I'll give you my phone number. Um, it's two one two six six two six nine seven three, and um, let me just repeat it two one two six six two. 6973 and then um you can also take a look at my website and the phone numbers on the website and again the the website is my name it's www.harriet h a r r i e t hoffman all one word h o f f m a n .com very good very good and anybody that has any questions or needs effort, uh, your consulting efforts and so on, you'll be glad to take care of them uh, Absolutely. Uh, right there through those uh, through those contact 
points. So that's that's great. Well, again, thanks for being with me today, Harriet. I'm going to give you a, a quick call after the show here. Uh, oh, great, great. And this was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. It was well, really fun thank, talking to you. Uh, thank you very much as well. I'm 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 glad you were able to do it, and uh, I'm glad you uh, responded to my piece that I put out on the internet. That's uh, it's nice to know that that really works with some some great guests, and it's been working before, and it certainly worked with you. So thanks again for that. You're welcome. And uh, we'll be talking again real soon after this show. And uh, good luck to you with all of your uh, guests uh, in New York, and uh, best wishes to all of those that are. Uh, that are suffering there and and ha- trying to overcome uh, uh, this terrible disaster that uh, has, has struck that area. So I uh, hope that uh, gets resolved as soon as it possibly can. Yeah. Thanks so much, Pete. All right. Thanks again. Take care, Harriet. We'll talk to you again real soon. Great. Take care now. Bye bye. And that's been Harriet Hoffman. You go to harrietoffman.com for all kinds of information. If you need any help with Medicare, or Social Security. Uh, she is the right woman to know. There's no doubt about that. So uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. Uh, if you're here in Arizona, it's going to be great weather. If you're in New York, uh, best of wishes to you, and I hope you can uh, get out from other, whatever else is uh, holding you back over there, and I hope things uh, start to turn around for you as well. So have a great day. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again soon. Uh, bye for now. interesting conversations to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter where we tweet as Boomer and Babe and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerandthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. 